Buongiorno and welcome to this episode 13 of the Drunken Transfer podcast. Unlucky for some, uh, unlucky in particular for Liverpool and Arsenal because uh, they've lost their fixture this week. We've got no idea where it's gone. We've looked everywhere. We've looked down the back of the sofa. We've looked uh, here, there and and, and everywhere. Um, Finn, you want to say something? Yeah, yeah. You said Liverpool and Arsenal. It's Man City and Arsenal. Just uh, It's an easy mistake to make. (laughs) It's an easy mistake to make. One plays in blue, the other one plays in in red. And they both played each other. It is true. And what a game that was. And uh, once again, we've got spectacular egg on face uh, for multiple reasons this week. Not least because we expected City to tonk Liverpool. But uh, later on in the show, we'll also have a, a deep and groveling apology for one Dominic Solanke. Jesus. But uh, before we get to to that um, bit where we are going to have to put out our uh, put out our mat and our groveling cup, um, <laughs> my fellow groveler this week and every week is the other Berkshire boy making less noise <laughs> than me, especially this week because you're ill. Yeah. It's uh, Finnegan Stockton. Um, Here he is. I, um, I am moaning this week. I have managed to pick up some sort of flu. Um, and so apologies for the croaky voice to all our lovely, lovely listeners. I'm injecting the airwaves with my illness. But um, yeah, it's it was um, it's strange really doing, doing these on a Monday because we've literally come straight off the back of, of game week 11. Um, mm. And I think we asked a couple of episodes ago how long it was going to take for my 30, a 33 point lead it was this time. Um, to fall uh, and the answer uh, we well last time it was three weeks we're two out of those three weeks down and that 30th point lead is now an 11 point lead hey, get in there it's uh, you, I you, would like to think that it was your health situation that directly played <laughs> into your underperformance this week in, in fantasy and uh, of all the times to be recording afar you know from a distance it's uh, it's nice to not having to be uh, breathing in your air. This <laughs> yeah, so, quite um, right. But no, it, it is down to eleven points that that lead that you have. Somehow, I am currently on my best uh, game week. Um, no, best overall ranking of the season so far. I'm about two hundred and forty k or something. Well, I think so, that, um, again, it, everyone was. It, it, there didn't seem to be a, a massive load of variation this week. The 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 big one, if we're going to talk a little bit about game week eleven performance that won the week for you, is you were saying a couple of weeks ago how you know you were hoping that you know Guaita was going to be a good goalkeeping option to to bring in and sort of like had to tide you over. Eleven points yeah. um, is really strong. So, there were so many clean sheets this week. Basically, if you had doubled or tripled down on a good clean sheet keeping defence, then that was the main source of points because um, Wolves keeper Saar yeah. got, I think, 14 or 15 points. Penalty uh, Rams- Yeah, Ramsdale ended up on 10 points. Guaita, my pick, ended up on 11. So plenty of good keeping options this week. And, and I suppose all the nice clean sheet points were counteracted somewhat by the fact that further up the field, we had Erling Haaland with his first blank of the season. Who would have called so- that? Yeah, first time it's happened, um, and it's only taken him 11 game weeks <laughs> against a, a pretty ropey Liverpool defence who had a very good game. Um, Joe Gomez in particular looked awesome. He was excellent, wasn't he? Yeah, so good. Um, but I think this is this is, this is is where the variation came in, right? Because as you rightly point out, um, there was, you know, defence doesn't seem to have been the particular position to have backed this season. You know, we've been seeing people switch towards 3-4-3s, you and I in particular. Um and of course, you know, all the all those clean sheet points that no one had been getting really did come in in droves this week. Uh, I did decide to double up on a team, but I doubled up on Brighton. I went for Robert Sanchez. 
Sanchez and Perv is Estepinian, and I feel like that was the really the, 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 the big Perv. That was really the big fall down point um, because uh, they lost 2 0 to Brentford. Um, Estepinian was hooked at half time, but he would have got a one pointer anyway because you know they, they conceded a couple of goals. So you know that was a, a, a you know a bit, a bit damning on that Friday fixture. Although we both had Ivan Tony, which was yeah. great to revel in Thank those you, points. Thank you, Ivan. The first time I've had a proper return from Ivan Tony this season, and lovely to be on that bandwagon. Now. Oh. Appreciate you a lot, Ivan. Thank you very much. What a start. Live FPL was looking so much nicer on that Friday night than it did at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's that's really where my game week fell down. And then, of course, at the half 12 fixture, I had both Madison and Zaha. Uh, and, of course, that was where Yaguaita, 11 pointer, came in, mm. nil nil. Uh, only a three and two pointer for me. And at that point, I think Jesus was my only last remaining differential against you. And you still had the likes of De Bruyne, Son, Doherty still to come and I think I was about five yeah. points down and I was looking at my team going fuck <laughs> well no it's funny the whole of my midfield banked except except for Andreas Pereira and and the thing is the the key thing in that bloody Fulham game is the fact that once again the Mitrovic curse rolls on for me because all the noises coming out of Marco Silva pre-game was that it was going to be another game too soon yeah. for Mitrovic to feature again. And not only did he make the squad, but he started and then duly scored. And uh, it wasn't too much of a loss to me in the end because I had Pereira start and he, he got me five points. But that that's seven points for Mitrovic sitting on my, my bench really is pretty painful to look at yeah I, I mean look you I know you were having a massive crisis about an hour before the deadline in fact I saw your girlfriend yesterday and she was telling me all about it as well hilarious because <laughs> I thought it was just a, like a messaging thing but she was like no no Jacob really was struggling for about half an hour I was going hour. through it I was going <laughs> through was, it well, he was going through a thing and you know obviously you know that you, it was that was because of you know trying to take Reese James out for somebody and and, yeah. and, and, and planning um, but I, I did wonder whether that had potentially played into you making the mistake of, of of benching Mitrovic because you know I, I wonder if it was, it was due to a lack of time because as I was advising people just a couple of weeks back even if he's injured start the guy because there's no way that Marco Silva has him on the bench to come on for a one pointer he won't risk yeah. him so it's sort of kind of like he was always going to 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 come out of your team yeah. if he wasn't fit. And it's dark because I did that. I, I took your advice the, the game week before yeah. and for some weird reason I, I reneged on it this time around. But hey-ho, I mean, it would have been nice to have the additional five points if I'd played him instead of fucking Leon Bailey who's <laughs> eternally doomed to only get two or three pointers for me until the end of time. However, it's I, I, I don't know. Considering I was going into the game week in such like this mental spin... And had like three separate transfer plans. Had no idea what to do with the the croc Therese James, and um, eventually settled on getting him out for Doherty. Having wanted to bank the transfer, I, I went into the week thinking, "I hate this team. I hate this team. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it." And I, I still ended up having a relatively solid game week all, all things considered finishing on 56 when yeah to, to my 46, 41 so. so that was where the 15 the points came. Matt Doherty was a, was a great transfer I was thinking of getting a, a Eric Dyer in for um, a minus four and, and, and didn't do it uh, and probably slightly regretted it in the end because you know realistically Spurs all, all, always looked you know game for a clean sheet against that Everton mm. side who were so blunt at the moment yeah I, I don't know with Doherty it was basically the I was forced to choose between the boring Eric Dyer pick, mm. where he's guaranteed to play 90 minutes, has been a threat from set pieces, yada, 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 or the slightly spicy 
Matt Doherty pick, <laughs> who is a player that we know that Conte likes in the wing-back role. Uh, Paul O'Keefe on Twitter reckoned that he was nailed on to start, well, last week as he did, and also against Man United in this midweek. So even though he's a bit of a short-term gamble, I'm quite pleased with it and um, looking forward to seeing what he does against uh, Ten Hag's men. Yeah, right. completely. I, do, I think I think it's a great shout. The only thing I'd say, of course, is to look at for game week 13 is that Emerson Royale will be back. And yes, having been very mind, he's, he's still being the first choice in the Champions League. Um could be a bit of a, a risk going forward, but I think for a two for a two week punt, you know, mm. I think it was a, a very savvy savvy shout. And of course, it's strange, really, because you know, game week twelve, um, this midweek without this Arsenal and City fixture is one that I've been banging on about now for the last two or three weeks. Going, you know, I've got to prepare, got to prepare, got to prepare. And I feel like you you've had a slightly more laissez faire attitude to it, and yep. going, well, you know, I've, I've got the players, you know, still for game week thirteen. I want my team to be ready and right going forward and if some if I have a couple of spots missing for game week 12 mm. then it's not the end of the world and I was thinking well I want to get a full playing uh, 11 yeah. but in the same way that you've been getting crocked with injuries over the past couple of weeks I have now really been yeah. stripped by injury and yeah. suspension but all this prep now, I still couldn't have done enough for it because obviously I had to get Trent out and I had to get Diaz out due to injury. Mm. Uh, Rhys James, obviously then injured as well, still in my team. Emerson Royale, who I've still got on my bench, suspended. And then James Madison picking up his fifth booking of the season in oh, that Crystal The worst Palace possible game. time to get a suspension as well. The worst yeah. possible time. <laughs> also suspended for this next game. So it means now I've, I've currently uh, only got seven starting players Oof. in my squad and having put all this prep into it and it's nothing yeah. I could have done about it having put all that prep into it uh, I'm now staring down the barrel of a minus four or even a minus eight which we'll talk about a little later well that's but... music to my ears because I mean like you say I didn't put in half the amount of prep that you did <laughs> You're not, not, so, not so much a wing and a prayer but also like had a vague idea of the team I, I wanted for the blank was would have been content with playing nine or ten players it's looking like I'm going to have ten but also thinking along the lines of I didn't want to rip up my team for one week and getting players that I didn't want going forward from, from 13 onwards and as I messaged you midweek, I now, as a result of the players that I have got in for the blank, have got this amorphous outline of a plan moving forwards yeah. from there onwards too, which is quite interesting to talk about. So, yeah, going into going into this blank, I was saying to my brother, who Finn, who is the, the third member of our mini-league, <laughs> brother Finn, um, is in a position where it's looking like he's only going to have five or six, and he is free-hitting, and... Ordinarily, I would say don't free hit when like there's going to be there are going to be worse blanks down the line. You're looking to get like a gained point advantage of like twenty plus points from a free hit realistically. And if you if you're plugging say like two or three holes when the fixtures aren't brilliant, I would have ordinarily said it's not worth it. But if you are in a similar position to Finn and you've got say three Arsenal players and a couple of City players it might well be worth just getting the points on the board now I mean I'm just hoping to save mine either for a for an ap- apocalyptically bad blank or um, or a double later in the season but I mean if, if it's really looking bleak you can always hit the nuclear option and um, and free hit I think I think that's wise I think uh, I think it's good advice I think you're right if you've only got two or three you, c- you can try and plug those gaps if you get to nine or ten uh, you know it's, it's it's not the end of the world but if you're like Finn who's only got five or six 
free hit because I mean that's what I did on game week uh, six or I think it was uh, no or maybe yeah. game week eight um, where I had so many blanks from the fact that there was only seven playing fixtures and it really came up drums I mean I do get the rationale behind saving it for when there's a really appetising double game week or when it, there's only three or four fixtures being played but mm. um, no I think that's I, I think that is good advice I think if you're really um, low free hit and it, the other piece of advice as well for those who aren't thinking of free hitting and who maybe only have seven or eight playing players and you want to get up to at least 10 which is where I think hopefully you and I uh, are, are going to have 10 playing players for, for game week 12 um, if you are thinking about taking hits I really want to stress the point that and I know that people have been saying this on FPL Twitter if you are taking a minus four it is essentially the equivalent to a minus two so long as the player yeah. that you are taking out is not playing because of course the thing is if, you, if you're taking a minus four usually the player that you'll be taking out may just get a, a, a bog standard two pointer um, but they, that won't be happening for game week 12 so you, you won't you wouldn't be gaining that two pointer so if you're looking like a, a minus eight like I am it's sort of really only equivalent to a minus four yeah. which I'm, sort, I still, I'm kind of okay with I still wince at minus eight hits I very rarely take minus eight so I'm, I'm, I'm fine a minus four easier to justify but, but but like you say in a week like this the math does kind of check out because you're going to be improving on a score of zero yeah. regardless so, you know, in, in that sense, it, it does make it worthwhile. But at the same time as well, I think if you're looking at going quality over quantity and just having like a strong core of like seven, eight odd players and, and any others that can make up the numbers, that's also completely viable. I think it just as important this week as getting players playing is the captaincy choice. And mm. if you don't have a captainable asset in your team, it might well be worth looking at captaincy options that you can bring in because if they're making up the bulk of your gains this week it, it, it's certainly worth looking extra carefully at the captaincy for game week 12 than you usually would could be that we see our first uh you know really big differential week in a while now that there's no Haaland to captain there's no Martinelli to play there's no Jesus there's no Cancelo you know there's going to be a yeah. load of people having very very different lineups and I think that's quite exciting well, when you consider that the vast majority of people have been stuck on captaining Holland for the foreseeable, and then all of a sudden the one week when he's not playing has also coincided with his his first blank of the season too. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of people, you know, shaking up the formula and uh, and backing different captains this week. And um, I can only hope that I settle on the right one. But I've saying that, Finn, I've I've got a pretty good idea of who I'm giving the armband to this week, and I can't wait to let you know. I... So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Let's show it for the moment. Let's do fixtures um, very quickly as well. Just like blast through them. Uh, tomorrow night, Brighton Forest. Uh, having, mm -hmm. I've mentioned to you a little bit about the reasoning last week for getting in Esther Pinion alongside Robert Sanchez. I did think that Brighton had a, a decent chance of getting uh, clean sheets against Brentford. I was really targeting this Forest fixture more so because again, Forest were abject against Wolves. Um, and you sort of look at it and go, surely this is the optimal chance for Deserby to get his first win uh, in a Brighton manager. Yeah, I found it amazing, you know, reading the, the pre-match amble for this game that he hasn't got his first win yet. And I think it's sort of gone under the radar that they haven't got that first win because of the impressive points they've picked up against the bigger teams, right? But uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of budget defenders, a lot of the... Um, FPL gurus of Twitter and Reddit were saying, yeah, Brighton, you want to be looking at Brighton defensive assets. So I think what you did last week 
in bringing in big old Purvis <laughs> as Dabinian. It probably, probably wasn't like a bad move on paper, but certainly for this one, you've got to be looking at your Dunks, your Websters, your Espinians. Veltmans. Um, your Veltmans, of course, that's another big one because I think they are definitely value for a clean sheet against this this Forest side. And, and on top of that, the other interesting bit of, of um, team news from the Brighton camp coming out is that De Zerbi's pretty insistent that Adam is going to be starting, which then instantly means someone's got to drop out and we don't know if it's going to be uh, going to be Leandro Trossard, we don't know if it's going to be uh, somebody else in their midfield, but it's definitely one to have a look on. My, yeah. my big worry is that it, it will be Esther Pinyan because he only played the 45 minutes against Brentford, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it was slightly heartening that the person uh, who he came off for, Hayrio Mitoma, uh, who looks quite good in that second half, um, actually, in a wing-back role, um, he's been ruled out through injury. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's given Esther Pinyan a bit of a boost uh, of starting. Um, but if Lalana were to start in that midfield, there is a chance that Trossard could move towards left wing-back and Esther Pinyan miss out. And I'm not really yeah. sure what Deserby... I don't know if he has got, if, if he's concerned or has anything against Esther Pinyan, but, you know, he looked like a really bright attacking spark in that first half mm. against Brentford, and it was quite a surprise to see him get hooked. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that he starts, but, you know, yeah. if I were to take a minus eight and then have one of my 10 not play as well, that could be uh, a bit of a dagger to the heart. I was surprised at Brighton's performance against Brentford. Like you say, I think that it's been, um, the fact that they've got that point against Liverpool and they were impressive against Spurs sort of masked the fact that De Zerbi hadn't actually picked up a win yet. But it was strange. It was almost like they, they looked really slick on the ball, but it was almost like, it wasn't that they, they weren't finishing their chances well. It was almost like they literally seemed to refuse to make that final pass. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was strange. It was like watching a darts player with the yips. Like it was, it was like you couldn't quite work out why you know after how slick their passing was, they weren't having the confidence to play that that, yeah. that really final killer ball. So I, you know, I'm hoping that that, that they turn up against Forest, but um, slightly concerned now, having thought I'd put a good plan in place. Well, yeah, and and also from Forest's perspective, I mean, they've still got troubles, and you know, it's looking like Renan Lodley, but Renan Lodley, I've just <laughs> invented a new uh, tally tubby. Uh, Renan Lodley is not going to make the game. Um, those that were anxiously worrying about Nico Williams starting for this blank, if they'd had Nico on their bench in the build-up to this game, it's looking like he's good value to start the nineteen and to get two points minimum. So um, I don't know. It's it's one of those fixtures where. This is the budget fixture. If you're if you're yeah. not one of those people that have invested in the the Brighton attacking midfield like Trossard and whatever, this is the sort of game where if you've got an Nico Williams on the bench or if you brought in a new Brighton asset, you're looking for clean sheets out of this one rather than goals. Is the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. It's it's one of those really whereas if you if you need to get out maybe one of your Arsenal or City assets to get a full playing eleven, could be a good one um, to look at. Uh, Palace Wolves. Um, Wolves got themselves an important win against Forest, but again, wasn't particularly convincing. And I thought Palace looked strangely blunt um, they did. against Leicester. And blunt again, it could be that the fact that Michael Elise hadn't started. I thought Ayu didn't offer a lot. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a rare, rare, rare recent occurrence of me having edged you and come out on top <laughs> in the uh, very rare. in the role of the spies. Yeah, very rare. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so steady on. You didn't cheeky get... But um, no, Michael Elise didn't start. It, from what um, Patrick Vieira is saying, he's disappointed with the lack of goals. 
from Palace. And it sounds like he might well shake it up by benching Odson Edward for... Um, Jean-Philippe Mateta. Uh, yes, indeed. It, it looks like Mateta might be getting a recall soon rather than later. And it's a funny one, really, because, again, as someone that owns Palace defensive assets, I'm not worried necessarily about them slipping up in, in this one because, obviously, Wolves did end up beating Forrest last week, and it, but... It, it, it was off fine margins. I mean, it could quite easily have been a draw it had, had what Forrest not missed their penalty. So, I don't know. It's another one where, to, to dovetail nicely into what we were saying about bringing in budget Brighton assets, it, it entirely depends on the setup of your team. But if you've, say, got a, a Palace keeper like I've got, it might be worth bringing in the Brighton centre-back. If you've got... Um, Say like Robert Sanchez in goal, it might be worth bringing his on like Mark Gahey or, or Anderson, who who are also like promising for a goal because um, Gahey missed the chance at the weekend that he should should have done better with. And, and in terms of the underlying numbers, it's looking like Anderson is also value for like a set piece goal. So yeah, I, I, I guess all of the spotlight up until now has been on Zaha. Mm. at being an attacking asset but again like to be the the boring FPL miser over here Palace are another one where if you if you need like a cheap pickup just to be able to field 10 11 players look into that budget Palace defense yeah because Wolves only got their fourth goal of the season didn't they against uh, against Nottingham yeah. Forest and it was from the spot so um I think the the fact that you said that you've got Palace defensive assets plural Plural. Well, give us a little whoa. bit of clues to where you're looking at going. <laughs> so you've got Poirot over there. You've got there's no flies. Even when you're ill, you're still managing to read me like a book. Um, Bournemouth Southampton. Um, like you were saying earlier on, we need to eat humble pie on Dominic Sanlanki because he's raked in two big points hauls in a row after you and I slagged him off to high heavens. Yeah, he's uh, and he's gone up in price as well, just to really uh, pour salt in the wind. But yeah, he's he's it's it's a it's a classic classic case of us putting the kibosh or the reverse kibosh on him because mm. even though he's got another big points haul and Brighton have gone unbeaten ever since losing that game nine 0 it's it's one of those where if you look at the chances that Solanke's had and what he's been expected to put away in terms of XG and whatnot, it is a massive, massive, massive overperformance. But then again, those people that were backing on Solanke on like a, a wild card and bringing him because he's cut price, at the time they were saying he needs to do very little in order to justify the price. And he has done that and then some. So Completely, yeah. those of you that got on Solanke at the right time, I take my hat off to you and I will eat humble pie and say, yeah, whoops, I uh, I was wrong on this one. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's for me, it's only the sort of thing you would be doing on a wild card is bringing him in. Yeah. I wouldn't be going out of my way to bring in Dominic Solanke because then you're in point-chasing territory. I mean, he ended up with a 12-pointer last week. You matched Ivan Tony. Would I rather have Solanke than a Tony or a Mitrovic? No. Is, is he a good enabler pick? Probably, yes. But then... Equally, I mean, it's staggering that the likes of um, of um, Phil Bill Philip Billing are still um, you know picking up fancy points, and I don't know how sustainable that is. So, nice Bournemouth job. are a funny one; they Not, really are. Yeah, nice job on your Phil Billing pick that got an assist, cheeky five points. Yeah, there um, you go. It's, it's rare that I get those uh, those spike points <laughs> nowadays, so uh, we we got to bang the drum when I do. So, yeah, well, uh, look, Bournemouth now unbeaten in six again. Look sharp against Fulham. Solanke twelve pointer, as you said. Um, I think Solanke for this week could could be a, a decent shot if you need to get someone out like Jesus, and you've already got. 
got Mitrovic Tony against Chelsea, you know, which is the next game we'll talk about. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you wouldn't back him quite so much, although he's on pens. Um, I think if Southampton lose this game, it, it could be curtains for Hassan Hutter, as much as I wouldn't want it to be, because it's a bit of a derby. And, um, you know, Hassan Hutter was remarking about a lack of quality from Southampton in the second half against West Ham. I mean, maybe you wouldn't expect them to win that, but, you know, they, they have to be picking up points against Bournemouth if they want to be avoiding relegation. Yeah, totally. And uh, it's it's a shame that it's last chance saloon again for Hassan Huttle because I just don't think he's up to it. I really don't. And, you know, this isn't necessarily like a fantasy observation. This is basically just Southampton mm. as a team. I was out on the town with a <laughs> Southampton fan the other day who wasn't my brother for once. And, uh, yeah, it's looking very, very bleak. And um, I think uh, it's... It's, it's one of those where we're not really looking at Southampton. We haven't been looking at Southampton assets all season from a no. fancy perspective. And I think it's, that's unlikely to change anytime soon. Probably one of, if not the only team that I haven't considered a single asset from, I would say. Um, Brentford-Chelsea. Uh, Brentford, obviously, like we talked about, ended their five-game uh, losing streak, or rather winless streak, um, against Brighton. Uh, looked good. Uh, Frank's fury. Uh, paying off really after that pummeling by Newcastle. They are a strange side, Brentford. Um, mm. I wouldn't expect them to get anything here. I would think they get turned over, but sometimes they do spring a shock. And um, yeah, Ivan Tony's uh, looked very strong and uh, he, he's rewarding us for keeping the faith because I think that um, I was getting a touch twitchy a couple of game weeks back and I'm glad that I've stuck with him. You were you were more than that, Finn. You were saying that he was like next on the chopping block for you, and um, yeah. I don't know. I I still fully expect Tony to just tick along and get these kind of hauls like he did last week, maybe once every two, three, four game weeks. And you know, it's, he always seems value for a goal, at, you know, at, without doing a lot. Yes, and um, and that kind of makes him the ideal striker in his price point. Um, if anything, I'd be more tempted myself to to move on someone like a Mitrovic over Tony. I, I, I'm quite happy in the knowledge that Tony is just going to keep on doing his thing for me. I think that's surprising. I think that Mitrovic is the better um, the better asset personally. Um, now that he's fit again, yeah. that is. I think that um, Tony, if I had if I was in your shoes, I think he would be potentially the one that I'd be looking to move on. But it, it, you know, fair point. I, mean, it's, I think it's, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Ultimately, I think. Um, like you say, Brentford are they're looking like they're gonna be firmly mid table this season and Tony is playing like a midfield striker, you know. Yeah. Um uh, Chelsea uh, no, mid mid table striker even yeah. midfield striker. I've just invented a new position. But yeah, let's let's talk about Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea was solid against Villa. Um and if you took our advice last week and began to bring in a Chelsea attacking asset, if you're looking at doing it this week, um if you're sizing up the likes of Mason Mount, uh, Kai Havertz, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, could be in good shape for this one, you know, even if there is a little bit of rotation uh, risk, because I think that they uh, have gelled uh, for Potter in an attacking vein. I think they will do Brentford here. I think it'll be, a, you know, a classic 2 or 3-0. Again, the only thing with Chelsea is is just that risk of rotation. The, the, the other thing, of course, um, from a defensive perspective, I believe that Cucurella and Chilwell both started against Aston Villa, which was um, playing into what you and I were suggesting a couple of weeks ago that Potter may end up doing. So it it makes both of them instantly more attractive propositions uh, if you've got them switching between left wing back and uh, and left centre back. Mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, Chilwell's one that he's, he started the season really well with like a nine pointer on the opening game week, and since then, through injury and and various other 
things conspiring against him. He's he's been off a lot of people's watch list, but he might start to come into people's thoughts again now. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's really basically like you say a case of who's going to start wearing that Chelsea setup. I mean, the interesting one for me, being a former Mason Mount owner, yeah. having started the season with him, is the fact that obviously with those two goals, he's gone up in price now to 7.7, which is well under his starting price of eight. But um, he's still not playing as advanced as I would like him to be yeah. in that Chelsea team. So, but, it, yeah. but that does give him a slight more guarantee of starting, perhaps. Well, in, yeah, indeed. So that's another thing to take into account. But, you know, he's started to get in amongst the returns again now that Potter's taken over. It's uh, talking of Chelsea, another interesting shake up there in terms of their lineup ever since Potter arrived is, uh, is Kepa Aritzabalaga in goal because he is very, very, very cheaply priced this season. I think he might have even started at 4.5 or something silly. And um, now that he is, well, A, back in the lineup and B, back in amongst the points, because I think he put in a man of the match performance for Chelsea at the weekend. Yeah. Um, he might be one to keep an eye on because, you know, you're talking about a, a very cheap keeper for a top six side. It's um, It might well be on our second wildcard. If he's still in amongst the points, then he might be a bit of a no-brainer pick. Yeah, I think come game week 16, if, if people haven't picked him up, his ownership is going to rock it up because once you have that, uh, you know, the ability to go and make unlimited transfers, why wouldn't you pick up a, a 4.5, even if he's 4.6, 4.7 million mm. Chelsea keeper? I mean, it just makes sense, really, uh, especially if, if Potter is able to fully sort out this defence. And like you say, I think I think first clean sheet for him. And if he continues to assert Mendy, and there's no reason to suggest that he won't stick in goal. Um, yeah, I think that it's. <laughs> I think he's going to be a really popular shout. Agreed. Uh, Liverpool West Ham. No one. No one saw Liverpool doing Man City. Um, incredible result. Uh, and perhaps you know gives a little bit of faith to their attacking assets moving forward. I mean, Jota's out well, for this one now, but Firmino, Nunez, Salah could be could be savvy indeed. Could be captaincy options. It was a really watchable game. The, that City Liverpool game, and we knew it would be, mm. but it it was um, it was really interesting. It was as interesting as you know all the off pitch pantomime shenanigans and, and all the, you know <laughs> Klopp getting sent off and and all the rest and all the other unsavoury scenes. It was fascinating to me seeing the the tactical tweaks that Klopp's had to make to get a tune out of these Liverpool lads because now out of possession they almost look like they're playing in a four four two. Yeah, and um, in this one in particular, you had James Milner at right back, um, deputising for the injured Trent, who's had such a shoddy season today. But um, I know we mentioned Joe Gomez earlier, and they looked a lot more solid for having him in the side. But Milner, even though I know he's not a fancy asset, just made their right side a lot more secure, and it gave more license to the likes of Salah who ended up coming more central and mm. obviously ended up scoring the winning goal but he looked threatening up until that that point and he, for me Salah put in one of the most eye-catching Salah performances of the season for me and sort of reminded the likes of me why he has been such a brilliant fancy asset for so long and and at a time when a lot of people are pivoting away from De Bruyne all of a sudden, you know, my head's turned again. So. Well, no, easily. And um, I, I think the point you make, it, it definitely was his most eye-catching performance of the season. Um, and, you know, if you look at the average position, he was the most advanced Liverpool attacker on the pitch. And it feels a little bit this season like he's been stuck out wide and a bit deep. So, like you say, for him to be central and then to be super advanced... 
I mean, it, it seems crazy that Klopp hasn't made that tweak up until now, really. But um, yeah. it's been an amazing week for him. The quickest ever Champions League hat-trick against Rangers and then to go and get the winner in a game against Man City, which no one uh, thought that he was going to do. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, no, we, was, we were saying it was going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. And, um, and I know City had the goal, the goal ruled out. I was quite pleased to see Foden not get on the score sheet because he's one I'm oh, bringing, bringing in later down the down the line and would have tanked our rank. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's just classic Premier League that, isn't it? I mean, Alisson picking up his fourth assist of his, um, of his Premier League career, um, Salah doing Salah things with yeah. a beautiful first touch. I mean, it was, it was a great game and also it just makes the title race a little, little bit more interesting too, which is always good and to if, see. And if you don't need to get a budget defender and if you've got the ability to, 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 to splash the budget a bit and you do want to look at that defence, not only have they got West Ham this week, which, you know, not guaranteed clean sheet by any stretch of the imagination, but they have got Nottingham Forest on, on Saturday, yeah. game week 13. So, I mean, you know, it could be an interesting differential pick, seeing as how many people have, have pivoted away from defensive assets to Liverpool. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, like Forest are turning into one of those teams that, from a fancy perspective, like we've had in the past with the likes of Norwich and whatnot, you've, you've got to be targeting yeah. Forest, really. I know it sounds a bit mean because they are. They're a pretty good bad team, if that makes sense. Agreed. Like they're not they're not horrible, but you've got to be targeting Forest. And if, if you're if you've got Liverpool assets coming up, I, I would be licking my lips. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Newcastle Everton. Uh, I thought Newcastle looked good against United. Um, decent point. Um, and again, like as we've been saying, that uh, they're a great great shout um, if you're looking for cut price options. Uh, if you're looking for a midfielder in this week, Almiron seems to be the biggest yeah. no-brainer there is. Um, I, yeah, I, I think they look like a, a cracking shout against Everton who still need more potency in attack. Yeah, it's it, Everton still need a cutting edge and to me it makes the likes of Kieran, Kieran Trippier just even more attractive than they already were. I mean, his price continues to skyrocket. He's up to 5.7. Mm. I think he went up again last night. Um, selected by over half the teams in the game. Ranks first amongst defenders for creativity because he's on their set pieces. He's always putting in corners. He's on free kicks. Um, Trippier, the majority of people listening to this podcast will own. Yeah. If you don't, it's, there's never going to be a better time than to bring him in. No, and, and if, and if you can. do own him, talking about getting in um, cheap defensive assets, would you be tempted to go for a double up Newcastle defence? Yeah, and because, you know, I, I can't remember. Are you still on the Pope wagon in goal? No, I'm not. Or, I'm on uh, Robert right. Sanchez. Yeah, because if, if, you, if you do still have Pope and, and also have Trippier, I think I would be absolutely fine with that. Because, I mean, if they can keep a clean sheet against... Man United, then they can keep a clean sheet against anyone. Yeah. Really. They look really well organised. Um, they, you know, are, are always going to be a threat from set pieces. It's, um, yeah, I think Newcastle are probably one of the safest bets for defenders in the league at the moment. And I, I really wouldn't bet against them. No, I I, I completely agree. Um, and uh, yeah, bearing in mind how blunt Everton do look. I know Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back. I, I think it could be a great shout. Uh, probably the big game of the midweek is that United-Spurs match. Um, mainly because there are, there are two sides who are, are, are looking like they're really pushing up at the moment towards the top four. United may be slightly less... Um, I, I was disappointed that you know uh, we, we didn't get that win against Newcastle given how mm. brilliant a chance uh, that Rashford one was at the end and also the Fred one as well um, a couple of minutes from time uh, what are you feeling about uh, any assets from this match Jake do any of them do any of them tickle mm. your proverbial pickle 
Uh, well, Ronaldo wouldn't interest me, but that, there's never any danger of that anyway. But um, yeah, I, honestly, probably not. I mean, um, I, I think uh, the time for bringing in Spurs defensive assets was probably last week. Uh, I don't think I'd really bring, bring them in, especially for this United game. But equally, looking at that United team, unless you uh, really, really want to, you know, get a bit out there and bring in the likes of like Anthony or, or somebody. I, I'm not sure I would be looking at United assets either because, you know, they're, they're still not stellar defensively. No. Even though they kept that clean sheet against Newcastle. But equally, they're really... On the, we've talked about several blunt teams already this this episode, but United are certainly amongst them. They they don't really have a cutting edge. They missed Ericsson against Newcastle. And... Um, I'm not sure where the goals are coming from at the moment and just from a sussing out where the fancy value is and where the fancy like, attraction is, I'm, I'm not sure if um, I would be chomping at the bit to bring in any of the uh, any of the United lads. No, obviously you've got Doherty and Son. I think that you know, leaning towards Spurs is, is certainly the, the, the better one for this week. If I was going to make a prediction, I probably would. I mean, I'm, I'm rapidly falling out of love with Son, you know. I mean, like I, I think I was, I was pleased to get him in for his amazing 19-point haul you know that week he he had that because I mean that was a uh, a move which rocketed us both up the standings. But yeah. I don't think he's worth the money. And uh, in terms of looking forwards, you know, ahead to game weeks to come, if there's anywhere in my team to downgrade now, I think it Son is probably on the chopping block for me because he's obviously going to pick up like the odd goal and assist every now and then, like he did last week. But um, no, I, I think. Um, the sensible move would probably be to redistribute those son funds now. I agree. I think that I think that makes sense. He's not on set pieces like Harry Kane or anything. I, I, I think that I think that will be sensible going forward. Um, maybe not for this. Saying week, that, I mean the thirteen Spurs look really stretched in terms of injuries and whatnot. I mean, they're, they're, I know they're struggling with the likes of Kulisevsky and Richarlison. Um, Emerson's still out. Um, so it it will be interesting to see what form the Spurs starting lineup takes once they're they're back. But it's it's difficult to bank on any of them at the moment. Yeah, completely. Um, Thursday, the final day of fixtures for Aston Villa. Um, obviously, you've got Mitrovic. You will be starting him this week, I presume, uh, alongside Andreas. I think banking uh, heavy on Fulham for this game against Villa is 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 quite strong of course you'll have Leon Bailey as well with three assets yeah flipping act I, mean, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what compelled me to start Bailey over Mitrovic I really don't um, I think I was so convinced that Mitrovic wasn't going to start that I, I just decided to, to take the points but I don't know it's it's one of those where Bailey is too cheap to sort of do anything with and I think he will he's obviously going to start for me to make up the numbers but as we were saying earlier on in this blank you should have like six or seven players that you know are, are good value for a performance. I don't think Bailey's one of those players. He's just, I sure. fully expect him to get two or three points. Uh, Fulham, on the other hand, I mean, Pereira's been in excellent form. Mitchvich, you know, if if he's still fit and up for it, you know, he's value for a goal. I mean, this Villa side, where you've got an increasingly discontent Villa fan base falling out of love with, with Gerrard, if they ever were in love in the first place, um, it's... It, I think they've only got one win in their last nine now or something daft like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, so and Tyro Mings was a 
appalling again. I mean, absolutely yeah. woeful. We both made the most made the most individual errors in the entire league so far this season, statistically. Yeah, and both and those, it's easy to see how both those goals were, were, were both the Mason Mount uh, goals were, were his fault. Um, yeah, I, I think if the one asset that you've got this week that scares me most is Mitrovic. I think if you need to bring in a striker. Uh, and you haven't got him, uh, he'd be the one I'd go for. I think that, uh, you know, now he's back from injury, I think he's the one that looks strongest and, and I think he'll terrorise that Villa defence. Leicester leads the final game of the weekend. Obviously gutted that Madison is, is out. Um, good. Good. Uh, Jack Harrison is is the only um, representation that either of us uh, have got for this game, obviously, from my end. Um, but Leeds are strange. That You know, they, they're looking blunt. They look blunt again against, again, uh, again against Arsenal and I'm... And, and, um, Harrison is one that obviously I'm going to have to keep for this week because I need the numbers but I'm, I'm getting him out come game week 13 I'm, I'm really not yeah. impressed Bar- it's, it's funny like looking at um, I'll almost call him Hack Jarrison um, <laughs> looking at um, name. Looking, <laughs> looking at Leeds you're, you're spot on in that there, there are so many players who are almost there in terms of being fancy assets and just aren't quite there yet I mean Bamford was one that I was quietly keeping tabs on, hoping that he he might have started playing like it was a couple of the seasons back for for just his fitness with Bamford, isn't it? It's just the fitness. Yeah, and and him missing that penalty. I mean, his confidence is probably through the floor. But you know, anecdotally, Sinistera, my mate, you know, he looks (laughs) sharp, but not sharp enough to really warrant you know getting in. it's yeah. Leeds are a, a bit of a, a nothing entity at the moment, and um, there's not a lot more to say than that. Really, I, I certainly wouldn't be targeting any Leeds assets for this blank. No, and, um, I, 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 generously, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going forward either. I wouldn't be targeting this game at all. I don't think. Um, so yeah, why don't we let, let, let's move on to um, probably the most interesting um, section of the week? Then is which is what we're doing with our transfer plans because there's a lot of stuff that can be done this week. We've discussed some of the options um, and I'm really 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 intrigued to hear what state your team is going to be in uh, come the deadline tomorrow Jacob also who your captain is going to be as well because I think that well, that's the big differential baby I know that like I've I've um, I've spooked the geese and I know you've already um, hinted to the listeners at home what you think I might have done sure, so I'm, I'm going to let Gay, you uh, right? it's got to be Mark Gay yeah, yeah. Mark Gay he is in yeah. and I was it was a toss up between bringing him in last week or bringing him in this week and I think I did the right thing in getting in Doherty last week and Gay this Me week too. because in Palace you've got a defence that's cheap and is up against a team that have only scored four goals this season. Yeah. And um, Gahey's still 4.3 and I've decided to put my money where my mouth is. I've been backing him for a while. He's in. And even past this blank, he's a player that I'm quite happy to have sat in first place on my bench or starting if there's an attractive fixture. And, and those Palace fixtures are attractive. Um, saving the money by, I think, getting out, it was Patterson that made way for him. So it was only like 0.3 extra to invest money-wise in um, in Patterson's replacement. The money that I had in the bank has enabled me to, drumroll please, replace De Bruyne with Mohamed Salah. Okay. So Salah is in, and for me, hands down, I think a lot of people on the internet have been saying it, Salah's the best captaincy choice this week. And um, for me, bringing in Salah to captain at home to West Ham, I think is is, pot- is potentially like a big points gainer for me this week and um, had I not brought in Salah I would be captaining Hyung Min Son and it didn't feel right it felt like 
getting a little bit too sort of tricky and out there. So quite happy with the moves I've made. It has cost me a minus four. It wouldn't have done, were it not for the fact I had to replace bloody Reese James last week. <laughs> but um, I think the minus four is a small price to pay for 10 playing players. And I'm, I'm happy with a lot of them, basically. So, um, And I've made the transfers. It's set, it's done. It's it's happened. It's in the past, and uh, yeah, bring on game week twelve. I like I like the move, and I, I'm it's um, maybe we're boring. I've I've got a couple of different options which I'm considering. One of them is very 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 similar to that. Um, mm. So I, obviously, I am thinking of taking the minus eight. I think the three logical players to take out are, uh, and th- these probably won't change. Uh, Jesus, uh, Madison. And Reese James. Reese James obviously isn't going to play. He does need to come out. Um, James Madison is a bit of a enabler in, in, in terms of funds, uh, and, and obviously Gabriel Jesus as well is someone that I can I can pivot back to uh, quite nice and easily. Now, one of my options um, would also bring in Mo Salah, and he's someone that I've only really been turned onto over the, the last twenty four hours or so because of how well he's been doing the last week or so. And it wasn't just that he you know was a flat track bully against Rangers. You know he also performed brilliantly against Man City. He looked fab uh, and of course if I were to get Salah in I would be captaining him if I were to do that James would be replaced with one of Gahey Anderson or Sven Botman um, yeah. and those are sort of my three choices which I'm looking at for that uh, defensive spot at the moment they, they're they cheaper um, they allow me to spend the money um, elsewhere and, and, and to be honest with you like you were saying with Gahey is that I would be comfortable benching them um, as well moving forward and then the last spot um, I've got is if I were to do this Salah move uh, it would be getting an Alexander Mitrovic for Jesus I think that that Aston Villa game is a really um, great one to target so that's one side of things um, the other is looking at the, the the other big premium which I think would be is, is a great one to look at um, for game week 12 through to 16 when we we have to wildcard so it really is either Salah or going for Harry Kane which is something yeah. that I've been looking at for a while now as well um, you know if I would have to go for Kane um, over Jesus then I obviously couldn't go for Salah because I wouldn't have the funds. Um, and so I would be replacing Madison with one of, and you can see how this is getting to be a big op- branch off really and how conflicted I am, uh, Miguel mm. Almiron or Alexis yeah. McAllister uh, against right. Nottingham Forest. If I were to do that, of course, that's triple Brighton against Forest, which is pretty major. They then have Manchester City the next week and that sort of would be making my mind up for who is going to be going on the bench because I think City, um, with the exception of Liverpool, probably will still be, you know, well, it'll be their next game, won't it? So I think they'll probably be in the mood to obliterate. It's funny because some of the players you mentioned then that you're getting out are actually players that I will be looking at getting in the long run. I mean, I I was saying to you anecdotally with the money that I'm redistributing around my midfield and into the attack again, I'm looking at picking up Gabriel Jesus again at some point going forward. So the fact that he's making way for you is a really interesting one, but I suppose that is basically motivated by the blank as, as well. So, and, yeah, sorry. So well, I, what I was going to say was, is with, with Jesus, is that m- m- my, my rationale on him is, whilst I, I, I do think he's performed really well, and I know that you're terrified by him um, performing mm. against you, which is why... He's you, always the one player that always kills me rank-wise whenever he returns. Yeah. So. Uh, for, for me, I um, game week 13 or game week 14, will probably be looking to get Bakayo Saka in. Um, mm. And if I were to do the Kane option rather than the Salah option, I would have the funds in the bank from game week 13 to be able to get Jack Harrison out for Bukayo Saka or even Phil yeah. Foden. Um, Saka is hitting form and um, that 
it also is is one where in that price bracket it's really easy to pivot to someone else yeah. so yeah and the thing with McAllister of course is that my brother's just transferred out Alexis McAllister so um, really it'd be quite yeah yeah it'd be quite interesting to to see how you get on with him in your team as opposed to without him in your team yeah I, I like his attacking potential he's on penalties he's on free kicks uh, and and Nottingham Forest are not looking particularly great so that's the reason why I'd really be looking at McAllister um but yeah I am I'm really feeling conflict over going for that Kane option or that Salah option the Kane option gives me more money in the bank and more options going forward. Uh, the Salah one, I think, is probably the, the better game week 12 well, move. So it's really short or long-term planning. It's funny because we're, we're getting to the point again where we're having to reassess premiums. And for so long, obviously, Haaland is a no-brainer. Yeah. And then if you're like me, you've you've had someone like De Bruyne and, and Salah hasn't really been in the conversation. But now that Salah is back in the conversation... Many managers like you are having to weigh up the likes of Kane versus Salah, and I think it's going to be a really key, key decision for a lot of people to make. Yeah. Um, because I think I saw this um, this week the the highest scoring set and forget team um, in the game owned Holland and Kane from the start. Yeah. And um, if you have had both of those big hitters up top in from the start, then your quids in. It's it's just. If you are in a position where you can make the change to get those two up front again from game week 13 onwards or before and um, and it doesn't require too much root and branch surgery, then it might well be a viable play. But then again, in doing so, like you say, you're also kind of implicitly banking against Salah doing well. And for me, I, I just think Salah... Salah's captaincy potential in this game, we can also, in, in the weeks leading up to the World Cup, I think he's got a really high high chance of um, of doing something quite big. So Yeah, you know, that's, we'll what, that's what I'm nervous about. I'm nervous about game week 13, Nottingham Forest, and going without, really. Um, that, that's where my sort of kind of head's at right now. So, I don't know. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Shall we move on to the final bit of the episode? Uh, a bit of it, and let's see if I, my ill voice can do it this time. Roll the spice! Yeah! I need some spice to clear out the sinuses. <laughs> get you to like I don't know do a line of paprika or something <laughs> um, Jake who are you thinking about with Rob oh, do you know what actually before we start uh, I, I'm going to run this by you because I know you get a bit angry if, you, if, I, if I make Here changes to Roll the Spice. Oh, it doesn't take a lot. Um, mm. My suggestion was going to be uh, for this Roll the Spice moving forward to game week 16 is that we only count up to the game week 16 points. So for this, um, for the, these next players we're going to pick, they've got five games now till um, the, uh, the winter break before the World Cup. But I was thinking if we were picking players in game week 14, game week 15, and then their fixtures were being counted for game week 17, 18 and 19 when they are six weeks later and people can be making unlimited transfers during those six weeks with a price freeze. It doesn't really make a lot of sense because they could go I and hope, get injured, they could go and get, you know. I hope you lot at home are listening to this. He's doing it again. He's moving the goalposts <laughs> again. He's, um, he's taking liberties. He doesn't care. He's like uh, It's like when people try to bypass Parliament. This is what he's doing. He's doing things on the sly. He's... he's, um, he's scheming he's plotting um, uh, no that's absolutely fine <laughs> I, think it makes total sense. I was, right. was going to say I was, I was waiting for you to get to the end of your rant to then go yeah yeah it's cool <laughs> yeah no it's absolutely fine don't worry I think it's sensible because like you say the world might look very very different after the World Cup we might all have like four arms and a third eye and could, could you know, be and um, Dominic Solanke might still be scoring goals and he's getting picked and, you know, in the uh, England squad I hear 
Oh, get him on the plane. <laughs> uh, no, so, uh, f- yeah, I think that's entirely justified. And, um, yeah, whatever. I mean, I've kind of already made peace with the fact that I'm not beating you by the time that Game Week uh, 38 rolls around. <laughs> Who's your roller spice pick for this week, Jake? Uh, second week in a row that I've uh, backed the Bournemouth boys, making all the Bournemouth noise. Uh, this week, it's old Jefferson Lerma. What? Who is, uh, <laughs> yeah... He's, he's owned by... Why Why have you gone what? Why is that so scandalous? He's a defensive bloody midfielder, mate. He's been playing centre-back for parts of this season, but not getting centre-back points. You say that, Finn. You say that. But may I defer you yeah. to uh, my pick of uh, Philip Billing no, last I know, but week? Philip Billing, I, I did actually concede because he's playing in a Marouane Fellaini-type role made some sort of sense. No, I, 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 see, I see similar potential in old Jefferson. Um, I've always <laughs> liked him. Uh, he's, uh, he's a measly 4.9 million and is owned by 0.6% of the game. And uh, crucially, he's banging form because he scored a goal last week against Fulham. You, and uh, you know what? Strike while the iron's hot. Old Jefferson's going to make it two and two, baby. And he's uh, he's going to score against uh, Southampton. Um, you know how I never say anything nice about Southampton? Go on. I'm going to uh, offer some, um, some, due, uh, some due impartiality and some... Um, what, what's, I'm going to balance the books by saying that the best fantasy football um, team name I've seen this season <laughs> is a Southampton-themed one. It's uh, Arabo Tangfastics. Oh, that's really which good. Which is uh, really, good. really good, right? Wouldn't, but um, but they're still that, rubbish. And I, yeah, we wouldn't argue that you're saying anything nice about them by pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I still fully expect Jefferson Lerma to uh, penetrate their defence. And uh, you never know, Mike, also bag a brace. I feel like... Uh, uh, but I, no, I'm, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that... Um, you've got a bit of a set strategy for picking these Royal Spice players because I think that you're picking, and I could be wrong, players who have scored in the weeks previous. I'm going to check uh, that. Name, I'm going to look. Name, name, me, name me three examples. Well, then, Philip, now, Philip, Billing, I, Philip Billing scored before. Uh, Jack yeah, Grealish but, had scored before. Fabio Vieira yeah. had scored before. Well, so that, Jack Grealish hadn't scored before, right? Yeah, he did. He scored against Wolves, didn't he? It was, it was, it was, he scored in the first minute, and then the next week you picked Jack Grealish. I'm pretty certain. I thought I, uh, I thought I picked Grealish off the back of a really good performance against uh, Man United, where he didn't. Oh, score. perhaps. Yeah, you think you might be right. Actually. And in which case, Finn's going to have to go to the cutting room floor. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, yeah, I'm going for I'm going for old Jefferson, also because I think he's got a funny name. Um, yes, it is a good name. Um, I am, uh, despite the fact that I said Leeds have got no cutting edge, uh, I am going for a Leeds attacking player. Um, and uh, I'm picking, I'm continuing my strategy of picking cut price, low owned strikers. I say cut price, he's not very cut price. Um, providing he stays injured, uh, providing he stays injured, providing he stays... <laughs> providing that he stays injured. <laughs> providing he stays fit. Um, yeah, the opposite of injured. The opposite of injured, famously. Um, <laughs> uh, Patrick Bamford, uh, every time I see him play, oh. um, he does look like he's, he's involved. The only problem is he can't seem to bloody get minutes. So I'm going to, you know what? He can't hit a barn door with a very generously sized banjo. Well, you know, I've said that you're picking players who scored. I'm picking a player who scored minus one for everyone who had him in yeah. last week. He's 0.5% Oof. owned. He's 7. The only way is up. Yeah, well, he's 7.2 um, million. Uh, I think he could could be a shout over the next five games or so. They're, they're, they're fixtures which don't look too unkind if he were to play Leicester, Fulham, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Tottenham. Um, not brilliant, uh, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel like for point point 
0.5% ownership, um, Bamford could be one of those that surprises a few and gets into the old FPL team of the week uh, over a couple of times over the next five weeks. He's not a patch on Jefferson Lerner. He's not a Just patch say it. on Jefferson uh... Lerner. Because of his name. Boom! <laughs> Awful. Um, anyway, I look forward to beating you in Roll the Spice again for the second week on the trial. Uh, I look forward to talking to you in the next few days about game week 13 and you being ahead of me because if I'm taking a minus eight, that lead is at seven points, baby, and I'm liking the look of your team more than my own. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, I'm, I'm backing big on um, Mo Salah this week. I'm, I'm betting it all. I've put all of my chips on Mo <laughs> and uh, hoping that it comes off for me. Good bloody luck. Um, thank you, Jacob. It's been lovely. No, it's a pleasure. Get well soon. I'm glad I'm um, not in the same residence as you and I'm, I'm and that we're doing this virtually. But uh, I know that by the time I see you next, it won't be virtual. So I hope you've made a miraculous recovery. Fingers crossed. Um, I will be um, glugging down that cough syrup. Glug, glug, glug. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> glug, glug, glug. We will yeah. speak to you and on um, in a few days to talk about game week 13. Jacob, good luck and goodbye. See you later, mate. Goodbye, goodbye, bye-bye. and good night. Good night. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.